today on After God's Heart. At some point in David's past, there had to have been a moment when he did not play the lyre well and he missed with the sling. But at some point, childhood, early youth, he's practicing. He's getting better on the, on the lyre. He's getting pretty good out in the field when only the sheep can hear. He's hitting that target almost every time with the sling because one day his life's gonna depend on it. And God was preparing him today for something he didn't know he was gonna use David for tomorrow. Welcome to After God's Heart with Dr. Darren Biles, author, professor, and pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Today on After God's Heart, Dr. Biles continues a message entitled, Even If We Didn't Notice. The text for the message is 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. The occasion was right after God rejected Saul as king and chose David as his replacement. But Saul was the last person to notice what God was doing. In fact, Saul never seemed to see it. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16, and let's listen to learn how not to miss what God is doing. 2 Samuel 24, verse 1 says, The Lord caused David to number Israel. The chronicler says Satan rose up and caused David to number Israel. So which is it? Is it the Lord who caused David to number Israel, or is it Satan who caused David to number Israel? Is the Bible contradicting itself? No, the Bible's not contradicting itself. It doesn't do that. Rather, what the text is suggesting is in the same sense that sometimes the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Sometimes the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Which is it? Did Pharaoh do it? Did God do it? God allowed it. And everything that God allows, the Old Testament writers presume God, in some sense, caused. So you have back in our text, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, a spirit dispatched from the Lord, or under the Lord's permission, tormenting Saul. God, in this case, permitting a spirit to torment Saul. So now Saul, who is being tormented by this spirit, is looking for relief from the torment. Interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15, about Elisha. The Bible says that Elisha played or had music played and from that declared a message of prophecy. So there is at least some history of association of music with message. Here, Saul is tormented by a spirit, an evil spirit, and the Bible says his servants came up with an idea. By the way, Saul is the only person in the Old Testament who is described as being tormented by an evil spirit in the Old Testament. Now, some of you will remember the story in Mark chapter 5 about the man who lived in the region of the Gadarenes who was demon-possessed. Sometimes you hear him described as the Gadarene demoniac, which is a fancy way of saying the demon-possessed guy from that region. He was exiled to an island because he caused harm to so many people because he was demon-possessed. And they would try to bind him with chains, and he would break the chains. And Jesus went to that region to encounter the demon-possessed man, spoke to the demons who were possessing him. 
and said, what's your name? You remember what they said? Legion, because we're many. Jesus cast out the demons. That man oppressed by evil spirits. But in the Old Testament, Saul is the only person that we have record of oppressed by an evil spirit. Now, the text says that Saul's servants came to Saul. Odd description as the text begins. Saul's servant came to Saul and said, uh, Saul, you have an evil spirit tormenting you. Saul probably knew that already, but they're just identifying the obvious. Uh, you, you, I sense in you an evil spirit. Right? There, there's an evil spirit, Saul, that is tormenting you. And so Saul's servants came up with the idea, let's find somebody to play some music. Okay, so maybe, they, maybe they heard of the story of Elisha and the prophecy that accompanied music, or maybe they just thought some kind of soothing sounds might ease the torment of the evil spirits. And so these servants of Saul said, why don't you command your servants here in the presence to go look for somebody who plays the liar? And so whenever the evil spirit from God comes on you, that person can play the liar and you'll feel better. So Saul commanded his servants, find me somebody who plays the liar well. All right, I, I love that part of the story. Don't find me anybody that plays it badly. Find me somebody that plays the liar well. Undoubtedly, if he comes and plays badly, that's just going to anger the evil spirits that are already here. So I want somebody that can play the liar well. First instrument, by the way, recorded in the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, the liar, the harp. So they find David. And in the moment of divine irony, David comes and plays music for the king he will eventually replace. And David knew it. I'm playing my harp for this guy who I've already been told I'm going to replace. Now, you can imagine the flood of emotions that went through David's mind as he's playing his music for a king he knows has been divinely rejected. Because he put his heart into it. Well, he must have, because when David played, the evil spirits left. Now, interesting thought, Bible doesn't say, but file it away somewhere. Did the evil spirits leave because David played music? Or did the spirits leave because David, who possessed the Spirit of God, was there? Interestingly, when David is no longer playing music for Saul, the demons take over. So either there was nobody else who could play the lyre for Saul, or there was something special about David. And so David came and he played music for the king. He played it so well that whenever he played, the spirits would leave. Now there's a fascinating play, or at least it's fascinating to me. There's a fascinating play on words here. The same word for spirit is the word, the same letters of the word refresh. Whenever David would play music, the spirits would leave and Saul would be refreshed. It's, it's, it's a Hebrew play on words that the spirit and would, would, would leave and they would be, Saul would be refreshed because David came and he played and he played music. And, and you, you, you wonder almost even at the amusement of the story of David playing music for the king he's about to replace. 
And the Bible tells us some things about David. By the way, God never runs out of creative ways to accomplish his purpose. You can do it through a liar, you can do it through a donkey or a worm, or any number of creative ways that God has up his sleeve to accomplish his purpose. Here, David, merely playing music under the leadership of the Spirit of God, and the evil spirits cannot coexist in that same place. And so the Bible merely describes this one who was found by Saul's servants. Their idea, they went out and found him. And notice what the Bible says about this, this young man, David. First of all, notice what the Bible says. He plays the lyre well. We already knew that because that's what we were looking for. But then notice the Bible says he's a valiant man, a warrior. That's, that's interesting. Because to our knowledge, David has no military experience to this point, other than lions and bears. But he's a valiant man. He's a warrior. He's eloquent. He's handsome. And the Lord is with him. That's their description of David. So the Bible says that Saul dispatched his servants Jesse, send me your son David. Where's David? He's with the sheep. Now, remember what just happened in the first 13 verses? We're looking for Saul's, for Jesse's sons. Jesse brings seven of them there. Samuel's supposed to find a king. None of those. Do you have any more sons? Yeah, there's one out there with the sheep. We'll bring him here. And Samuel anointed David in the presence of his brothers, anointed him king. David knew it. Jesse knew it. All his brothers knew it. Oddly enough, apparently soon after David had just been anointed king, he's back out there tending sheep. Did dad forget or did dad say, well, David, uh, I'm not sure what that was about. Go back there and tend the sheep. I don't know what's going on. What you don't hear is Jesse saying to Saul, look, my boy's the next king. He's not going to serve you. My boy's going to be the king. Saul sent a message, a messenger to Jesse, send me your boy. And oddly enough, the Bible says Jesse sent Saul a present along with David. Even though Saul asked Jesse to do him a service, Jesse prepares a gift and sends it along with David, all the food and the wineskins. Is that for David? Is it for Saul? Is it to appease Saul? Or is it to cause Saul to treat David well? Either way, Jesse, honoring the king, giving him his son, who is now the rightful king. Just the fun irony of David now serving in Saul's court Jesse sends his son David, and, and he comes and he serves the king. And notice what the Bible says in verse 21. Saul loved David. By the way, when we get to 1 Samuel 18, we're going to see how many people love David. People love David. Saul loved David. Michael loved David. Jonathan loved David. Saul's servants loved David. And then the Bible says all Israel loved David. He's a lovable guy. Everybody seems to love David. Everywhere David goes, people love him. Sometimes that even became a negative for David. But here the Bible points out Saul loved David. Saul loved David so much he eventually hated him. 
He loved him so much, he wanted David not only to be his armor bearer, he eventually wanted David to be his son, or son-in-law. And so, notice now David, the man anointed king, is at the beck and call of the man who's been rejected as king. And the Bible says that when David would come and he would play the lyre in the presence of Saul, Saul would be relieved. From the Hebrew word there suggests that he would be well, refreshed, feel better. Um, an interesting note to conclude that text. David would pick up the lyre and play, and Saul would be relieved, and he would feel better. And the, the literal word there means he's good. Well, he's not good, nor is he well. But he's temporarily relieved of whatever spirit has been oppressing him. So I want to, just in a moment of application, think about God's development plan where even when I don't notice it, even when I don't see it, God's working. So I want to suggest to you several things in application. Number one, God made you, you on purpose. All right, we talked a little bit about this last week. God made you who you are. He made you like you are on purpose, with intentionality. God never does anything by accident. God doesn't do things by coincidence. You are who you are for a reason. God made you that way. God gifted you the way you are gifted. Now, we've seen several times where David's attributes, physical and otherwise, are recounted in Scripture. And here again, we saw a list of some of the characteristics of David's life. God made him that way. God created David like he was in order for David to be used. But now, the most significant thing that the Bible says about David is not that he was a warrior or handsome or valiant or eloquent, but the Lord was with him. And interestingly, Saul's servants saw that. Everyone who saw David recognized that there was something special about him. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't practice. It doesn't mean that I can't learn. It doesn't mean that I can't grow. What it does mean is God has prepared each of us on purpose for whatever plan God has for us. So even if you don't notice it, God's working. Maybe God's teaching you something today that he will use you for tomorrow. God made you you on purpose. Secondly, I want you to suggest the importance of faithfulness even when you don't know that someone is watching. The Bible says that Saul's servants, notice what, the, notice what the text says there in verse 18. One of the young men answered, I have seen a son of Jesse. It's an interesting word there. Don't, don't read too quickly past it. It doesn't say I know or I heard about. I saw him. I witnessed it firsthand. That's clearly what he is implying. But he is also suggesting that he saw something in David. I, I've seen David. Now, he probably didn't alert David to the fact that he was watching, but he was, and he saw him. In the same way, there are people who are watching you, and, and you might not know it. 
They don't always call attention to the fact that they're looking, but they're watching. Sometimes they're watching when you're, when you're doing things that you want them to see, but sometimes people are watching when, when you're doing things you maybe don't want them to see. But notice, I, I, I've seen David. Faithfulness means doing things consistently that others only do occasionally. I want to be faithful today, tomorrow. I want to be faithful when you're watching, and I want to be faithful when you're not watching. Faithfulness means being obedient, even if I don't think anybody's looking, because to be sure, God is. So faithfulness, even when you don't know someone's watching. Number three, God will combine your anointing with your opportunity. The way that God's gifted you, God's going to combine in, in God's good providence, however God does that, his gifting in your life with opportunity to use it. God's not going to give you a gift for you merely to possess and not use. God doesn't give you gifts to display on yourself. God gives you gifts to be used. And so consistent and in accordance with the gifts that God gives you, he is going to provide opportunities for you to use them. Did God give you the gift of teaching? He is going to give you opportunity to teach. Did God give you the gift of evangelism? He's going to give you the opportunity to share your faith. Did God give you the gift of service? Whatever other gifts God may have given to you, God will give you opportunity to use them. To be sure, David was a hard worker. We know that because he was a gifted man. He was a shepherd. And we learn later, God used his shepherding skill. He was a musician. And we learn here, God used his musical skills. He was pretty good with a sling. We'll learn in the very next chapter how God used that. Now, at some point in David's past, there had to have been a moment when he did not play the lyre well, and he missed with the sling. But at some point, childhood, early youth, he's practicing. He's getting better on the, on the lyre. He's getting pretty good out in the field when only the sheep can hear. He's hitting that target almost every time with the sling because one day his life's going to depend on it. And God was preparing him today for something he didn't know he was going to use David for tomorrow. So God's going to do that in your life. He's going to combine your anointing with your opportunity. Do you remember the, in the parable that Jesus told about the, guy with three uh, the three guys with talents? One guy was given five talents, one guy was given two talents, and the one guy was only given one talent. The, two, the first two in the group used their talents, and the guy had, that started with five ended up with ten. The guy that started with four, two ended up with four. The guy that had one gave it back. Do you remember what, 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 not just what the Lord said, what did the Lord do with the talent? Remember? Who did he give it to? 
He gave it to the guy who already had 10. That's odd. Now he's got 11. You know why? Because he'd proven faithful with what he had. God gave him more. So God's going to combine your anointing with your opportunity. Whatever God gives you, God's going to give you opportunity to use it. And then finally, I want to suggest to you in the meantime, when, when I'm waiting on God's time, stay faithful. You see, David knew all along what Saul didn't yet know. I'm the next king. And when dad sent him back to tend the sheep, even though I'd just been anointed, David tended the sheep. When Saul asked and dad dispatched David to go play music for the guy I'm going to replace, you don't hear David saying, I don't have to serve you. I'm going to replace you. You see David serving faithfully. We don't have any record of David's impatience. I don't want to read more into the text than what's there. I'm just telling you what's not there. There's no, there's no evidence in the text that David is ever shaking his fist at God. God, you told me I was going to be king. When's that going to happen? And however many years it was, from the time he was anointed, maybe age 15, to the time he served as king, age 30, David's faithful. So maybe you're waiting on God's time. God's promised something. God's doing something, and he still got you in the field. He still got you serving someone. Maybe God's doing something in you to prepare you for what's coming next. So when I'm waiting on God's time, God's not late. God's not confused. The time's not right. To be sure, David knew his calling was not to be the court musician for the rest of his life. But for that season, he served well. So faithfulness before honor, obedience when I'm waiting on God's time, remembering Jesus as our model in John 13. Jesus said, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So serve in the area where, where God has called you and in the way in which God can use you. Let's pray. God, we bless you for the opportunity to serve, for the privilege of doing your work, and even for serving your people. God, I pray that our, our obedience resembles that of David in his obedience, but that our model is not David, our model is Christ. And so even if we don't see it, thank you that you're working. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 22, that Saul loved David. But it seems more like he loved what David did for him.
He loved David as long as David served his agenda. And the moment Saul perceived that David was a threat to him, his love for David turned to hatred. In this passage, we learned how Saul missed what God was doing. Really, Saul and David represent two paths of life. Saul represents those who follow their own path and serve only themselves. David represents those who follow the Lord and serve him. Even if we didn't notice, those are the same two paths that lie before us. Which one will you choose? We've entitled this program, After God's Heart. The name of the program comes from the title of my newest book, After God's Heart. It's a story of the life of David, the challenges, the lessons that we learn from David, and how we can apply those to our lives. We'd love to send you a copy of my book when you support this ministry with your generous gift. Now, here's Ed to give you more details on how you can get a copy of my book. Thanks, Dr. Biles. You can get a copy of After God's Heart today. Today by contacting Sunnyvale First Baptist Church at 972-226-7105 or sunnyvalefbc.com. You can also write us at 3018 North Beltline Road, Sunnyvale, Texas 75182. Attention after God's heart. And here's a final word from Pastor Darren. Thanks, Ed. I want to personally invite you anytime you are able to be our guest at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We have Sunday school for all ages beginning at 9 o'clock, and we have worship in both English and Spanish beginning at 1030. We'd love to see you and your family anytime you are able at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. You've been listening to After God's Heart with Dr. Darren Biles. We want to thank you for listening and hope it's been a blessing to you. I'm your host, Ed Petty. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time on After God's Heart.